0: Welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Paul Smith for today's episode is sponsored by KB's Car Care on 321 North Main Street in Jonesville, South Carolina. They offer hand car wash, vacuums, and clean interior. Full detail is also available. While you wait on your vehicle, customer seating is available as well as a dining area. They're open Tuesday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., so make sure you stop by. Today's episode is also sponsored by Big Ben's Desserts. On if you need to, if you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, this is the place for you. They have a wide variety of desserts, including cakes, ice cream, banana pudding, and my favorite, personal favorite, the Oreo cheesecake. They open Tuesday through Saturday from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. and Sunday from 12 p.m. to, to 7 p.m. and closed on Monday. So stop by and vi- visit Big Ben's Desserts on 297 Spawnburg Highway in Lyman, South Carolina, where nothing could be sweeter. Today is another very special episode of the Cross Line Podcast. This is a self-investment tour. We are back on the road and this time we're in Vegas yeah um, it's a <laughs> blessing enjoying the journey and we have another very special guest with us today she's the owner of cake cake life by natty j miss natalie collins fish how are you
1: i'm good how are you
0: doing great thank mm-hmm. you for welcoming us to your home this is like i said the self-investment tour so this has been a very fun journey out here in vegas you know we got here <laughs> sunday night and we've been here um we'll be here till um wednesday but it's been very fun like i said we Stayed up late the first night.
1: Right. Yeah, I had a Vegas good time. will get you every yeah, time. <laughs> yeah.
0: And um, I'm not even a gambler, but you know, first time you know playing blackjack, so I got addicted. And the next day, you know, just time just started passing by.
1: Mm-hmm. That's because they don't have any clocks. No clocks all. in the casinos.
0: <laughs> and it, it got so bad to the point I almost forgot to eat. I was like, man, I need to go. Oh, yeah. Get something to eat. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Then but but it's been fun though. I, I have a good time though. So
1: hopefully you left up though. Say what? You left up.
0: A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Just a little. A little bit. Bit. Just a little yeah, bit. You got to learn when to walk away. It's
1: always a win if you're even.
0: Yeah, I, I believe you. <laughs> I really do believe you now. Because That's
1: the motto. Because
0: like you win a couple of games and then finally it's like you want to keep on going. Yeah. You gotta-
1: and yeah, then you start betting higher and higher, doubling down, splitting, doing all kinds of. And you're like, "What's yeah. happening?" <laughs> I got a
0: story. I'm gonna tell you that story about my friend when we when we, uh, we wrap this interview up. Cause she 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 got me too. She mm-hmm. got me one time. I'm gonna have to tell you about that story. But uh, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks so, for having um, me. Yeah, this is really fun. Like I said, I do a lot of research, and uh, I knew we were coming to the area, so I wanted to make sure I do my homework and you know find entrepreneurs who will you know come on and share their story. because um, I'm always a fan of you know. We always see the finished product, but I love to see hear the backstory of how mm-hmm. someone got to where they are. You know, to me, that's what's so inspiring because nowadays, when you look online, it's just everybody is like a success, but they never really kind of share like their stories of what they went through to get to where they are. Right. So, um, I'm very happy to have you on, and looking forward to hear your story. So, starting out for people watching this mm-hmm. interview, how would you describe Natalie Collins, aka Miss Natty J?
1: Um. So- man I can be described as a lot but I think I'm known mostly as a unicorn obviously I have purple hair but I'm like a one of a kind I try to you know not focus on what is going on around me and focus on what is going on inside of me personally and put my put that into my work so I try to do everything where I keep it unique and just like true to myself Mm -hmm. uh, if that makes sense and Always go into it with, like, a light heart and, like, keep a positive attitude about everything. It's because I know, like, if you stay positive, then the end result is always going to be better. Um, If you are angry or feed into the negative comments and stuff that people are always going to put out there, then that is going to reflect your work. Um, So I always try to, you know, brush off all of the negativity and just stay positive and stay bubbly and just focus on all the good going on in my life.
0: Absolutely. Now, what, what would you, now, where did you say you were originally from? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Born and like, raised. Yeah. How, um, how was that growing up in Pennsylvania? Like, what was your um, kind of like your childhood like growing up?
1: Um, so I was. Uh, I'm actually a preacher's kid. My dad okay. was a pastor. He started a church um, before I was even a, a thought, um, and we basically did everything for my dad's church. I have three older sisters. We lived on a, I wouldn't say it was a farm, but big piece of property, grew all of our own fruits, vegetables. I grew up riding horses, playing sports, doing the, the I wouldn't say like redneck stuff of Pennsylvania, but definitely like the outdoorsy stuff of Pennsylvania. Um, very small town um, and just a very homey kind of feeling. Um, my grandmother basically took care of us girls. My dad, my mom was a nurse, and my dad was always, like, with the church. Uh, So my grandmother lived with us, and she basically took care of us, taught us how to cook and bake and do everything. So uh, that's kind of where I got into what I do now. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, just a very family-oriented kind of upbringing.
0: You know, when you say that about um, being a preacher's kid, you know, it's always a stigma that, you know, that, The preacher's kid always, you know, kind of stray away from it or or do certain things. Um, Did you feel like you had any expectations to kind of like follow up in your father's footsteps, being that he was a preacher and um, coming up in the church?
1: Um. No, I don't think so. I mean, I always, I mean, I definitely went through like the PK phase where I like rebelled a lot Mm -hmm. too, which definitely, um, I feel like a lot of like, oh, you're a preacher's kid, right? But like, I have three older sisters, so my oldest sister definitely was like, the bad one. She got Mm -hmm. that out of the way. Then like the two in the middle, they definitely are still there and like following in my dad's footsteps, not necessarily like in the, but they still go to his church and still are like Mm there. And then I'm the one that I was just like, I'm going to be my own person and I'm going to just do whatever I want. Um, and that's how I kind of ended up here, but I still am like very close with them. They come out and see me all the time. Um, but I knew I didn't want to be I mean, I i wasn't going to be, like, an actual, I don't know what you call it. Like, I'm, I wouldn't follow, like, directly. Yeah.
0: Like up in the ministry. Yeah. Ministry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, I'm kind of similar. Well, I'm not a, a preacher's kid, but, you know, just for me, I'm a middle child. So, you know, I'm, I'm the one that kind of went against, went against the grain and kind of, like, did my own thing, you mm-hmm. know, as far as what, and what I mean by that. It's kind of like, you know, the kind of traditional, you know, work the nine to five and, and um you know stay there and just play it safe you know for me I just wanted to do so much more for me um and of course I mean I still have a job now but I'm you know doing this tour is kind of me you know investing in myself putting my own money and traveling I just didn't want to do the I know for me I didn't want to do the tra- just the traditional right for me so it kind of I want to create my own opportunity and it's like I always make sure I always preach in my interviews it's nothing wrong with having a nine to five it's nothing wrong with that but it's Nothing wrong with, you know, investing in yourself as well. Exactly. Um, for you, though, when did you finally decide, you know, I know you say your grandmother um, kind of helped, helped you with the bacon, but when did you? for you, when did you find out that was kind of like what you really wanted to do?
1: Um, so when I was in high school, I was a sports addict. Like, I played field hockey. I was on the Junior Olympics for uh, the field. I was a goalie, and I had some scholarships where I could pursue that. Um, but then I was like, what am I going to do when I'm done with college, like field hockey's not like, what am I gonna go to like to the Olympics? Probably not, right? So I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then I wanted to possibly go to art school. I love drawing and doing different stuff like that and being just really creative. Um, So I looked into different art schools in Philly and some other places and then I was like, you know, maybe I, I want to make art with food. Like, I feel like that could be a good idea. I mean, I love to bake. My grandmother always taught me to bake. I was baking since I was three. Um, so I started looking into some culinary schools. And then uh, my mom, when I told her that I wanted to go to culinary school, she was like, you know, uh, baking is just a hobby. It's not a career. She's like, I think that you should, like, rethink that. Because she's a nurse. My two sisters are nurses. My sister's a teacher. My dad's a pastor. You know, I was like... So you like baking pies isn't going to make you a living. And I was like, okay. So then I went to culinary school, and uh, I was determined to prove her wrong the whole mm-hmm.
0: way. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw yeah. it on your website. I was mm-hmm. going to ask you about it. You said you wanted to prove to your, to your parents that baking wasn't just a hobby. Um, why do you feel like they kind of view that as like just, a, just a hobby for some reason?
1: Um, so I think growing up in a small town, they don't know the food world. You know, like, New York City, Vegas, um, San Francisco, L.A., those are all big cities that have a food world. Um, but growing up in such a small town, they don't know any different. You know, it's like, we're going to go out for a really fancy dinner, we're going to go to Red Lobster. Like, that was, like, always, like, the place to go. And now I'm like, really, Red Lobster? Like, I wouldn't even touch that, right? <laughs> you know? But that's all that, that everybody knows. It's not like a textbook career choice of, like, being a doctor or a teacher or, you know, a scientist, you know, it's like all those things that you learn in school, what you're supposed to do. And I always say, like, I don't like being a square. Square is being told what you have to do. You have to stay in the lines. And I'm not, I'm not like that. So I wanted to find something that I was passionate about, something that I truly loved. And then I knew that I could make it successful. Um, Like they say, like, when you find something that you love you'll never work a day in your life mm-hmm. like i feel like i actually am like the definition of that um because my grandmother we always had dessert with every meal she cooked us dinner every single day we always had dessert and that was like the love at the end of the, of the meal every day we always wanted to mm-hmm. eat the dessert you know so for me i was like i love doing it i love being creative and i love watching people's reactions to what i make like it's just like what? Like watching, people be like, "Oh my gosh!" Like even like, like yeah. that's really a cake. Like for me, that is just so satisfying that I knew like, I, I can't do anything else. Like I've tried to do other things, and I'm like, I can't. I can't.
0: Yeah. I can't. <laughs> like it was, like we said, your cakes they look amazing. Like Thanks. they look like actual like the the cake with the uh with the watch. Wow. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, it, it looked amazing. Thanks. Um, and like and like you were saying, being like from a small town, like we're from the south, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like the same mentality for us, you know, just kind of pretty much just playing it safe, you know, just like we're saying, doing the, doing the traditional, you know, and even when you, sometimes when you tell people your dreams, they say, you sure you wanna you wanna do that? And, and I've had people tell me, um, before in the past, I mean, you you work for a great company with great benefits, you should stay there and just and you can retire, say put a money in your 401k and just retire, but it's like. It's so much more to life than just doing the, doing the traditional. Mm-hmm. But but for you, how was it um, when okay. you told your parents that about bacon, Did it kind of bother you? Um, you know, with them kind of telling you not to pursue the bacon?
1: I mean, of course, I was you know high school kid at that time, mm-hmm. and I wanted to do anything that like basically they told me I had to do. I wanted to do the opposite because I was an 18 year old mm-hmm. <laughs> high school high schooler. But yeah, I I mean, I felt like it was more like oh, they didn't respect my decision of what I wanted to actually do um, or that, like, they didn't think I was going to make it, like, that I had to go into a certain career in order to be successful, right. which isn't isn't the case, like, whatsoever. I feel like so many people put, um, put, like, careers in a box where it's like, this is the only way to go. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're not, you know, you're not going to make it in life. When... Or, or like, like you said, stay with a company that has great benefits or stuff like that. I mean, at the end of the day, that's not what it's all about. I feel like you're not going to go work a job that you absolutely hate just so that you can get insurance. You know, like I was put in that situation for a while, even working for a big company doing what I did. And now it's like, is it worth it? Is your happiness really worth staying somewhere and doing something for those little things in life that at the end of the day, really probably don't matter that yeah. much, you know? Like if you're in a life or death situation and you end up in the hospital with a huge hospital bill, your insurance isn't going to pay for it all anyways. And at the end of the day, you're going to die probably before you pay it off. I mean, mm-hmm. what, so you might as well just live life. Like life is too short to have like those kinds of restrictions mm-hmm. on, I mean, ultimately on, on your happiness, which is what your career should be.
0: Right. And it's just something about you know those mornings. I I see a lot of people on on social media. They like, man, I hate going to work. Um, these working these ten, twelve hours like this this is not life. And it's like, if you already have that feeling, you already know the answer that it's not. So right. do what you do what you want to do. Um, I saw a young lady. I come and I told her man, just find do something you really enjoy doing. Find your passion and you know make the effort to you know pursue it. Don't just work to just pay bills because. I, I I was doing the same thing and I just got burned out, mm-hmm. so I was like, let me go back to what I really wanted to do, um, and I just invested in the every all the equipment and everything, and it just kept on going. But if you if you do it that way, it's gonna you just burn out, it just feel like you're just working to pick up a paycheck. And then the thing you have to realize, if something happened to you at this job, only thing they're gonna do is next man up, right. and they're just gonna find you're somebody else. you know, yep. just, you're the just body. Yeah, you're just a
1: body and i mean it's sad that that's like kind of like what the world has come to now that that's how people see their job like they're just working just almost like it's just going through the motions you know like i don't for me i don't want to teach my son that either like i don't want him to you know have to go to get a job and be like i hate this i hate it like right now he's in kindergarten but he's i hate going to school and then we teach him we don't use the word hate, like at all. Like you, you need to go so that you can, you know, grow and develop and stuff like that and not, and always put like a positive look on it and not letting him like even focus on the negative because I feel like today the world is so negative that I, I just, I'm trying to like figure out how to keep him out of that. But even like having a positive environment just because I'm happy in my career and
0: doing what I
1: love. Like my son sees that, and he will know mm-hmm. that he's supposed to do what he loves to do whenever he figures what that is. Um, and I think it's just really important, like the values to to have around it. And, you know,
0: absolutely. Now, now growing up, did you? Did you have anybody else in your family that kinda of exposed you to entrepreneurship or were you kinda of like the first one?
1: I mean my dad definitely is an entrepreneur. I mean he started his he's own so church and he's he was always dabbling in other stuff. It, we always he always told us, you know, it's always good to have a side hustle. They're like you never should have a reason, like nobody should ever tell you that you shouldn't be making money on the side. Like mm-hmm. there's no reason for it. Like, what if that what if something happened to your main job? Well at least you have something to fall back on and then what if you're doing three different things on the side, then you have three different things that you could fall back on? There's always, you should always be making money in different, you know, different ways. Right. Um, and my dad was really big into um, the investments also. So he did stuff with the stock market and, you know, all that stuff. So we, he, and all the different LLCs, I, I swear he has like, this business goes with this one and this one, you know, whatever. And even he was just here recently, and we were talking about it, because he is, he definitely has that entrepreneur mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: So after high school, um, did you move right into culinary school, or what was your choice? Um, and where did you go to culinary school?
1: Uh, yeah, so I, I went to the Culinary Institute of America in uh, Hyde Park, New York, which is like Poughkeepsie, New York. It's a little bit upstate. Um, but yeah, I, I graduated in 2004, and I went the fall because the way culinary school works, it's not like they don't start when college starts and end when college. Like it's um, they do it in three-week blocks, so you could start at any time, um, just depending on when you got in. So I went, I graduated in like June or July or whatever, and then I started in the fall, so November of 2004, I went to right up there. I got right into it.
0: So from culinary school, was it a lot of things that you felt were necessary to go that really helped you? Um, or did you feel like it was just something you needed to do? Because I see a lot of people that they, they, they bake and they do a really good job. I, and I don't want to speak for them, put words in their mouth. I, I don't know if they went to culinary school, but they do a great job. But do you feel like it was very beneficial for culinary school?
1: Um, you know, I think it, it, I would say yes and no. So I feel like from when I went to culinary school to today is completely different um, because now YouTube is insane that you can basically learn how to do anything on YouTube. Um, But I think that culinary school taught me the structure of being disciplined and being on a schedule. Like we had like it was hands-on classes. We went to to class eight to ten hours a day. Like we were actually working in a restaurant. Um, instead of like going and sitting in like a college setting where we're just listening to somebody like it was all hands-on so it definitely got me in the mentality of how to work in like in a kitchen and be in that environment um but for like my skill level I would say you can't go to college for that no matter what kind of college it is it's the time and effort that you put into it Mm -hmm. and actually making it be something that you that you're going to be successful so i don't think like i know a lot of home bakers out there now that are doing the same thing as me and they've never gone to culinary school it's not something that um i would say you have to do i think that it's just something that people expect when you graduate high school you go to college and that's just what you are just what you do so for me now like i don't think like I'm not going to like encourage my son that he has to go to college and you have to pick a school. Like if wow. he wants to do something that you don't necessarily need to go to college. I mean, I wish that YouTube would have been the way it is when I graduated it's high crazy. school so that I w- wouldn't have $60,000 in student loans, you know? Like I know. mean, so I I'm just saying like, it, you know, and it's hard for me because my student loans are still, I mean, I'm definitely Making a dent in them. I feel They will never go it. away. I I'll swear. Yeah. You know, my mom was like, when I just won the show, she was like, so you're going to pay off your student loans? And I was like, no, mom, yeah. I'm going to die with those because I feel like I just, you know, but at the end of the day, but still like, so if you go to nursing school and then you get a job as a nurse, your student loans usually get forgiven. But I got a job as an executive pastry chef, and they didn't forgive yeah. my loans. They, they don't care, <laughs> nope. right? It's like, and I, I, get it. Like I'm not a, a nurse or a doctor or anything like that. But there's a lot of schools that even teachers and stuff like that. But would it would I do something differently? Like if I was, if I was in today's age, mm-hmm. probably I probably would have been like, I'm gonna.
0: It's almost like you to. really kind of have to. You have to go through it to understand because my my parents they didn't go to college, but they they. They um took out loans for my myself and my siblings to go, and mm-hmm. I'm thankful for that. But now, when I look back, sometimes I'm like, man, I don't even know if I've, and I. And I don't, I hate to say it, say that, but he's like sometimes I don't even know was it really, really worth it. No, it's, it's a
1: really expensive party.
0: Mm-hmm. It That's really what is. I mean, <laughs> we, we had a good time. We just right. Yeah. About. It was a big party, but it, and it's just like for me, and I, and I when you said it about your son, I was like, I I understand where you're coming from because i like I don't know if I want to necessarily if my children want to go. I'm fine with that, but I don't know if I want them to kind of go through the same struggle. I want to full scholarship, go ahead. Right. If you don't want to go, that's fine. Figure out what you want to do first. But just the part of, you know, taking out loans and and trying to pay it back is like...
1: Right. I've been out of school since 2006, and I still am like... Mm
0: -hmm. And I I wish... (laughs) See, see, when we talk about school, man, it it gets to me because I'm like... And I actually wrote my book. I wrote a book as well. And I was like, you know, I just... I wish it was some kind. At least some kind of incentive. Like, at least if you graduate, forgive some of the loans. But
1: right, or get a job in your career. Yep. Like if you are gonna pursue what you graduated with. Like I have a degree in baking and pastry arts, and then I got a job as an executive pastry chef. With like a, I worked for MGM Resorts International. So I worked MGM Bellagio, Mirage. I worked for a lot of the casinos, all in the same group. Mm-hmm. But I I got nothing. Like they don't. They didn't care. It's just the. I don't There's even like piece of paper. Me, I don't so even know if I have pe- a piece of paper. I have no idea where it's even at yeah. if I do have one. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. Yeah, it's
0: it's I don't know. It's for me I was like I I I don't think I would do it again, but for me I I for I did sports broadcasting so um I thought, you know, once I graduate cuz I cover professional sports like over there where we are, closest teams are the Panthers and the Hornets. Mm-hmm. Um I did I've done high school Every, everything. So I'm, I'm thinking as soon as I graduate, man, I'll be able to get me a job at one of the biggest companies like a ESPN or Fox or Turner Sports or TNT, anything. And it was just rejection, rejection, rejection. It's like, man, I can't even get a foot in the door. So
1: that's how, I mean, same thing with my career. It's like you graduate and you have your, I'm a chef, right? Even though you're not. And you still have to start on the bottom. They always say like you can't come in and just expect to get a job as a chef you have to start even dishwasher or you're like the assistant blah 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 whatever or like a pastry cook or the assistant to a pastry cook and you're making like barely any money you can't pay your bills you can't pay your student loans because clearly you're not making enough money to even live but you have to put in the years like like i always say like you have to earn your position well how are you supposed to earn your position if you can't even get in like Maybe, doing you know. what you do so that's the hardest thing is like how do you get the experience if nobody's actually gonna give mm-hmm. you a shot like I got lucky that I got into one of the you know the, one of the casinos when I was nineteen and worked my way up but at the same time like years and years and years of struggling and you know chasing titles and doing all that stuff and and for what like what do you get from it? I'm right. still paying my student loans. Yeah.
0: I don't know. <laughs> and I think they can be kind of like a, a somewhat demoralizing. Like as a, as a young adult, you, as soon as you graduate college and you want to find something and, and you're constantly being rejected, it can be kind of like, it, it puts you in this down mood. Like And mm-hmm. I feel like I was, for a time, I was like, man, am I, why am I constantly being rejected? Am I good enough to you know hold right. one of these positions? You no, know, I know I put in the work when I was in college to, to for one of these opportunities, but it was just kind of like, the same thing over and over so I just like you know what I'm gonna just do my own thing which I'm kind of mm-hmm. in everything I understand now that everything happens for a reason um so I'm, I'm, I'm thankful now because looking back at it now I don't know if I've been able to grow the way I have you know um had I just went to one of these companies because you know you can kind of fall into that trap of you know you work for a major corporation um uh, making good money you want to just stay here but then at the same time even now when I look at ESPN um a lot of the a lot of the one of those a lot of those acts that used to be there they had to do budget cuts so the people you thought were indispensable even they lose their jobs so at the same yeah. time it's like and I, I don't want my identity to be attached to a major corporation right. you know a lot of times when you get one of those positions it gets to your head or whatever and then you kind of like kind of forget who you are and then once that once that's taken away from you then what do you have
1: right and you have nothing to fall back on at least mm-hmm. like For uh, like as an entrepreneur, we have our business and if something does happen, you could always start something else or you, Mm -hmm. you know, you have, yeah, you have a lot of different options, but when you are with a big company and they say they let you go, then you're like one devastated. You're like, what am I supposed to do? By that time, you probably have like a family that you need to take care of and like all other sorts of stuff. So being your own boss and creating that, um, just a, it's like the lifestyle of having that, then you know that you'll always be able to find something else because you're a go-getter. I like a lot of times, like with the big corporations too, you're not, you get stagnant and then you're not willing to go after something else. Mm-hmm. You won't put yourself out there. Like I've even, I'm not, I don't have like an established bakery yet, but it's in, in the process. Mm-hmm. But even for that, it's like, I have to take that risk and the only person it's going to affect is myself. It's not going to affect a big company. It's not going to, you know, any of that stuff. Right. So the only thing that you have to do is make yourself better. And that's mm-hmm. why entrepreneurs, successful ones, are successful. Because it's only going to affect you and your family, not anybody else. And so you know that you have to make it work. Mm-hmm. So you just keep going and going and going. <laughs> that's, that's why I admire about
0: entrepreneurs. It's kind of like... The like the will to win, it's mm-hmm. like you always figure out a way to even if you don't have all the resources that you need at the time, you just figure out a way to get things done one way or the other. It's like I might not have it right now, but I just have faith it's, it's gonna work out. Mm-hmm. And you just got to keep on going, like you said, and, and you're gonna take some lumps along the way. But as long as you keep on going, you, it's, it's things you're gonna learn from, you won't become stagnant and just get comfortable at where you are. You always like trying to figure out different things that will work and what may not work, but you just mm-hmm. figure out ways to, you know, you have that will to keep on going, and you just figure out a way to get things done. Yep. Um, so I know you said after culinary school, I want to ask you, where, when did you decide to come to Vegas? With after you finished culinary school or what was?
1: Yeah, when I graduated culinary school, um, I moved out here to get good experience. Actually, the guy that I was dating, his family was from here, and he moved back here, and they were like, Yo, yeah, come out here they worked for the big casinos um and they basically like took me and i was 19 i sold everything i had back home my car everything i came with the suitcase Mm -hmm. and hoping that i could just make it work i was 19 so i wasn't legally even allowed in the casinos um and they helped me get a job at the venetian and just started climbing my way up and i just kind of never really looked back Mm -hmm.
0: What was what was your family thought when you told them you were, you know, leaving Pennsylvania and, and heading over to Vegas? Were they, like, behind you, or were they kind of skeptical? Like, how how were they?
1: Um, I mean, they were definitely skeptical, especially because this is known as, like, Sin City, you know? It's, like, right, a big yeah. city. It's, like, you know, that's the next city that's going to go down in the world. i like, oh, I don't know, all kinds of yeah. stuff. Like <laughs> That's going to be the city that gets ruined or whatever. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, they definitely weren't. I wouldn't say excited. Like, they wanted me to be successful and do what I wanted mm-hmm. to do. Like, they definitely supported it. Um, but, of course, like, they're sad. I live... Born and raised. I never left home. Like, I went to school only three hours away. I could still go home for dinner if I wanted to. Moving across the country when I was 19, my mom was like, okay, I can't protect you anymore yeah. kind of thing. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it. they've definitely... I feel like have changed their mindset though about Vegas. You know, a lot of people, especially if you've never been to Vegas, you have no idea what it really is, right? So mm. you just think of the strip and gambling and drinking and yeah. strip clubs and all the stuff that
0: you see on TV. That you see on TV. Yeah.
1: You don't think of like sitting in a cute little house 35 minutes away from the strip and where I probably go on the strip. Never, unless I have to deliver a cake. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I stay away from that stuff. Um, but Vegas is is great. It's a it's a really awesome city. Um, you know, we have hiking. We have the Hoover Dam. We have like, we have all kinds of stuff that people don't associate with Vegas.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's why I, I like it. Because it is. It's so unique that um, it's just... I would say, I mean, it's like a one of a kind. It's not like your typical city either
0: Mm -hmm. what would you say was the biggest adjustment you know coming from the east coast to coming out here what what was like the biggest adjustment um that you had to make um when you came out here
1: um learning to deal with the people Mm -hmm. like i feel like everybody's is different you know like east coast people are different than west coast people Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't like to like generalize that but it is it's a whole different way of living and Everything is fast-paced here. Everybody's like, go, 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 go. Like, Mm -hmm. if you, like, you know, in Pennsylvania, you can drive the speed limit, and it's okay if you're five minutes late. But here, it's like everybody's like, Mm -hmm. you know, always going, 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 going. And just learning the different cultures of people. Like, I grew up in such a small, remote little town, and everybody was kind of the same. Like, they didn't understand the different cultures and different ways of living and, you know, what's important to some people and, you know, just the the values of life out here are so different. Like, I've met so many people that are so materialistic and it's like, for me, I didn't grow up that way. So I had to, like, learn to understand how people live like that out here, which was a really, like, almost like a shocker for me. Um, But now I'm... I'm used to all of it now. <laughs>
0: yeah, so we we're from the south so the, the culture is it's different from, from where we are too. Mm-hmm. But even just you know, I what California was my first time actually coming to the West Coast and we came out here in uh, back in August. So that was my first time, but like it's it's like being exposed to so many different cultures and, and just like the mindset and um just like entrepreneurship and stuff like that. It's it's totally different out here on, on, on this side, um it's just the South is just I don't know. It's, I, to me, I always feel like we're kind of a little bit behind everybody else mm-hmm. in the South. It's like we just need we need to catch up because we're just still kind of somewhat stuck in that traditional box of just doing the same things. But yeah. But um, <clears throat> so working at MGM, I, I saw you work for a pro, very prominent um show uh, Tom. I, won, I hope I'm not butchering his name, Tom Calicchio. 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 Mm-hmm. So, so how how did you end up working with him, and what were some of the things that you kind of learned like working up on the
1: Um, I, that was my, one of my first restaurant openings, um, when I started working for him. He, uh, he's very big on the East coast also. Um, Mm -hmm. so working for him definitely was kind of like a comfort thing. Like knowing that, um, they're very laid back and just easygoing, but also seeing, you know, knowing that, where they started to, where it was like the same situation that I'm in, I guess, mm-hmm. like in that anybody can do. I worked for a lot of really big name chefs um, in the hotels, even before Tom uh, Colicchio. So I definitely, I feel like it was it was a great learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think for me, more though, like working for big chefs like that, it taught me what not to do when, mm-hmm. I, when I get to their status, what I don't want to, I don't want to just be, you know, his name is on it. How many times did I work with him? I probably saw him three or four times, you know? So it's like, just their name is slapped on it. They come and make an appearance. They make all the money off of it. And, you know, it's like, it's very impersonable. And I want, Mm -hmm. whenever I get to that status that I know the people working for me and representing my name, like I feel like if they're going to represent me, like I want to know who they are and like a backstory behind them and like be on a personal level with everybody,
0: Yeah. Do you feel? I was gonna ask. Do you feel like, as you continue to climb up that ladder of success, which you're already successful, do you feel like an obligation? to you know, kind of like, pay it forward and, and kind of help up help the other young chefs and and um, perfect their craft as they um, come up.
1: Mm-hmm. I do, especially since uh, being on the show, um, I've had a lot of people reach out to me, and I always try um, to be as um, responsive as. possible as I can be, I mean, I am very busy, but I took the time to everybody who did message me and ask me questions and try to do stuff like, you know, ask me for what I would do in this situation. I, I wanted to be there and reach out to them. And a lot of people are like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I can't believe that you even like responded to me. And I'm like, yeah, and like, if you need help or you need this, like there's some, um, kids here in vegas that have asked me to like you know teach them how to do some things and i'm gonna look for an intern to come and work with me soon and like i want people to see that they can do it also and that they don't want need to go to culinary school (laughs) and to also like that just because i'm successful doesn't mean that i'm um like shut off like i feel like like that i'm like
0: like you're still human. Yeah, like.
1: I'm still like mm-hmm. I'm a good, but like a, you know, a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you're taking the time to like deliver my cake, and I'm like, yeah, like if I like I try to be there for all of my customers and mm-hmm. also people that want knowledge, like that's what we do we're all in it together like I want other people to be successful Mm -hmm. there's millions of people in the world like I can't be the only custom cake artist so Mm -hmm. like we even have like a little group here in Vegas like we support each other like I have one of my old employees you know I ask her to like do stuff with me like eventually she'll probably come back and work for me but you know I want to support people doing the same thing also like Mm -hmm. there's so much to learn in our industry um, that I don't know everything, but somebody else might've had somebody who wanted a cake like that. So we reach out to each other to really try to feed off of each other. And I think that's really important. Um, It's kind of like like the girl gang, like we have like a whole thing of, you know, not just being like, oh, nope, I'm a cake artist and I can't talk to anybody else because Mm -hmm. I want to be the best. Um, I feel like once you get that mentality, it's when you're going to start to go downhill.
0: Right. I think it's, it's always an obligation for everybody, it's, especially entrepreneurs, but everybody in general to, you know, pay it forward some some mm-hmm. type of way because um you, you have to give back some kind of way. It doesn't have to be in terms of money, just advice or anything. Even if you're just giving somebody an opportunity that they never even had, just mm-hmm. paying it forward some kind of way, I always feel like it's going to come back in a positive way to yep. you and, and benefit you. Um, While you were working at MGM, well, I want to talk about that transition from, from working for some of these, the most successful chefs to, you know, kind of making that transition. How, how was that process? How long did you work there and then? How was that process of, you know, making that transition? Um, so I worked for
1: the MGM company 2010. Nope. 2006, 2007. Like almost twelve years. Mm-hmm. I worked for the company itself. I went to different hotels. Um and I would say it was like almost twelve years. Um and then when I branched out and started my own LLC and my own business, um, I mean one, it was really scary, but two it was like um I was so caught up in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. And being like, I didn't even get to do the stuff that I loved to do at the end because I was always in chef's meetings and doing, you know, productivity and doing P&Ls and doing this and doing that. And, like, like I didn't get to do what I loved. And when I did leave the company, um, it was because of a budget cut, and they offered – so I was executive pastry chef, um, and they offered for me to go down to an assistant in the bake shop – and offered me you know x amount of money even though it was a pay cut, and i'd be the highest paid assistant this and that and i wasn't on board with it because i didn't work for the company for so long and get where i was at just to go backwards that wasn't like in my mindset and then um the whole corporate mindset for them was like they just kept trying to like almost like bribe me with different pieces. Um, and the, the, the breaking point for me when I decided to completely walk away was, um, I was actually going through a divorce with my son's dad and we were actually supposed to be going to court the next day that I was in this meeting where they were trying to get me to stay as something else. And, uh, the, um, my boss was like, so we know that you're you're going through a custody agreement or custody battle with, with your ex, and uh, you have your son. And we know that you have really great insurance with the company. And if you stay with us, your son will get to keep his insurance. Mm-hmm. And if you leave, you would have to go on Cobra. And they literally had it all spelled out how much money I would have to pay per month if I went on Cobra and how much money I was paying with their insurance, which is like seventeen dollars and it was like seventeen hundred dollars and they were like so your son would get to keep his his benefits and i was like i'm out like literally like so like for me like i said earlier benefits aren't always going to be the reason that you should stay at because like that might mean like that's why they Value me like they're gonna try to bribe me with my son's insurance. My son was like six Mm. months old. Like he was, yeah. And I was like, I never wanna be that boss either. Like I, like I wanna be when I do have that many employees. Like look out for everybody. Like that's like to me is just like, and honestly, the same thing happened. Cause I when I left there, I got a part time job at Sorla Top teaching, cooking classes. And then the same thing happened with the pandemic that they wouldn't keep us on um, my insurance because of the pandemic. But they said that we have to pay full full insurance and they could only accept a money order or cashier's check, no cards, no nothing. And I was like, I'm not even working because we're in a pandemic, but they wouldn't keep our insurance. It was like a whole thing. And then once again my son's insurance was going to lapse because they wouldn't, like, I had to pay, I don't know, like, I didn't actually lose my job there, like, we were still working sure. for the company, but it was in the pandemic, but they were, like, oh, sorry, those are the only two forms of payment, like, I couldn't even, I was, like, I don't, I don't have a check, like, I'm not a, it's right. a 2020, like, I don't even know, but it's so funny that, like, both big corporations that I've left, it had to do with my kid's insurance. And it's crazy,
0: <laughs> you know, a lot of times, you taught a lot of people, when you, if you tell somebody you thinking about walking away from a major corporation, like, man, what are you, like you said, what are you doing? And still to have, and, and it can be scary. It's, I know it can definitely be scary, but, you know, just to walk away from it. I know, of course, things happen where they were doing budget cuts. And what I admire about it as well is, like, I always hear an entrepreneur, Ed Milet, say life is not happening to you, it's happening for you. So that was kind of like a blessing in disguise in, the situ- in a sense because... Now you're able to do what you really want to do. And you don't have any restrictions, or have anyone telling you how to do right. what you what you really want to do. And I I never forget when we were out in California, we the lady the lady we interviewed, her name was Miss Judy Townsend. She owns um, Mannequin Madness. Um, she has a business where she just completely sells and rents mannequins. And you know, she hit, she was working, on, she was selling her mannequins on the side, and she had a nine to five. that's was working full time. She was working full time. And right at nine like, eleven, you know, that was when her job kind of like Started making cuts as well, and she was one of them. So then she knew she just went all the way in on on the mannequin business, and now we just took off over 500 mannequin built into a, a multi million dollar business. Okay, but so I, I, but yeah, yeah, I was gonna ask how how did the um process of Crime Scene Kitchen come about?
1: Um, so Crime Scene Kitchen, it's uh, interesting. I was actually found on Instagram by a um, casting company. Um, they had messaged me to see if I would be interested in doing a uh, baking competition that was different than the mo- than the normal. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, I was like, sure, I've been interviewed. I've made it pretty far before with Food Network. Um, just never made it actually on any of the shows. Um, and this was like, I was like, sure, I'll give it a shot. Why not? Like, what do I got to lose, right? Um, and... I started the interview process. They asked me if I knew anybody that I would want to take with me as my assistant. I um, had baking experience. Um, and so uh, Luis, who was on the show with me, he also taught cooking classes with me, but he's one of my best friends. And um, we started the interview process, and it just kind of it went really very fast. So they uh, messaged me in the end of – or. Like mid February, and we left in uh, April second, mm-hmm. so it was like a, a real fast. It was, was like a, it was a crazy, crazy thing with so many different ah. interviews and things that we had to do for it. It was just like a, kind of like a whirlwind of how it happened.
0: So how how long did the actual taping part last? Because I know I think it was uh, about nine episodes.
1: It was nine episodes. Yeah. So how
0: how long was it um, where you guys actually? Um, doing the uh, contest,
1: uh, so we we were there five weeks. Five weeks, yeah. So we filmed five weeks, and if you got eliminated, you could go home. So it was, um, and I think the process would have been a lot shorter, but due to COVID, um, and we had two separate groups. The way that the show was set up, we did like it was spaced out a little bit more. Um, but yeah, five weeks total.
0: Was it stressful, you know, being in a competition, or were you kind of felt like? You've had so much experience you were kinda of in your comfort zone and were you like, I I got this, I know I can do it, or was it kinda of stressful for you?
1: You know, I I was I was I would say I was in my comfort zone. I I didn't feel stressed about my skills and being there. I think being on T V was like the different than having the cameras on you all the time and just the process of all of it and the wardrobe and like all of the behind the scenes stuff that you don't see on TV, mm-hmm. uh, but the actual baking part, that was, eh, like I could do it with my eyes closed. Um, the crime scene kitchen part was the harder part for me. I'm not really good at getting clues. Um, and plus I will always want to do what I want to do. And so it was hard for me, especially in the beginning of the competition, because you'd have to try to figure out what's underneath the box. Hey, did you watch the show? Oh, I didn't get a chance to watch it. Okay. So, basically, you go into the crime scene, you see different clues, and you have to figure out what was made in the kitchen. And then at the end, so you don't know what any of the other teams made either. So, you're going in just solely thinking of what you believe was made in the kitchen, and the same thing for the other teams, but you have no idea what anybody's making. So,
0: everybody's making something different, though?
1: If they choose, or we could all be making the same thing. We don't know. So, when you go up to judging, basically is the first time that you see what anybody else is making. So you walk up. So everybody's thinking, like, how they interpreted what was made in the kitchen. But then there was a box. As they call it the Confectionator 3000. And underneath that box, they'll reveal what the mystery dessert actually was. And whoever got the closest to it would win. But mm-hmm. if everybody made the same thing, then they would pick the best one kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I'm, like, an over-the-top... I, I do all my crazy, you know, all my stuff. So, for example, the, the first one, it was the, the showpiece round, which is, like, the second round. Um, it was a naked carrot cake and it had these little tiny vegetables on it. And, like, we knew that it was, like, we saw that. But I was, like, that's not a showpiece. I have to, like, make, do what I do. Mm-hmm. So I did, like, an actual, like, wood bushel and I made, like, real life vegetables out of chocolate. Mm-hmm. And it looked like this whole thing that didn't look like a cake, but it was and like even though ours technically was the best it wasn't what was underneath the box because the box was a naked cake and somebody else made the more Whoa. similar okay. even though ours was better so for me it was really hard to like process that whole thing because i was like i wanted to do what i want what i do and i'm like how am i going to win if that's what they want me right. to do because that's not the stuff that i do but then i i figured out how to play the game and it it got easier um yeah. as we went on i guess you could say but yeah i mean it was definitely i feel like that was like the more stressful part that i couldn't be me right you mm. know like that was that was hard for me do
0: you feel like they did they focus more on presentation or the, like the actual taste of what you what you
1: baked? um so presentation was definitely like the main focus i would say because they wanted it to like match but if it tastes like so, let's say so. I'll say only one person made the dessert and it matched, even though it tasted terrible, they still made the right one. Mm. So it was like, ugh. but if everybody got it wrong, then they would. Whoever made the best tasting dessert would would win, I guess. I, but, w-
0: I would. I would think like you'd be like the anticipation and you know the um the nerves would build up more and more the closer you get to like. Down to the, I think it was down to what the bottom, of the last three. The yeah, three so there finals? was
1: there was four in the finale, and then the first round they eliminated a team, so in the end there was three.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. were, you, were you nervous when they when it got down to to finally making that decision of who who would win? Like,
1: I was, um, because the behind the scenes that you don't see, um, cake – So we had it, you know, they actually we changed, they changed the rules at the end because it was the finale, so they actually. We had to make a three-tier cake, and we just had, like, we went to the crime scene, but it had to include, like, ingredients that we saw in there, and it was for one of the judges' birthdays. And, like, so we had certain things that we had to incorporate into that cake. And then, but there was not an exact replica of what was going to be under there. Like, we were allowed to use our freedom, which was great. So I was like, oh, we definitely are going to win this. Like, it's fine. But then when we did make it, and then you don't see how long from – the time we finish to the time we go to judging and your cake sits out and if it doesn't, you know, have time to sit in the fridge or do whatever, it could, the appearance can be off. But then when you have to take it to judging table, even though it was six hours ago from when you finished, it could look completely different by the time you go back. So I literally had like a major meltdown when I came back and I was like, so I'm going to throw this in the garbage. Like I literally, like obviously none of this goes on, is on TV. But for me, I was, like, just, I told my partner, I was, like, just so you know, we we didn't win because our cake is, like, leaning, like, a half inch now, and it's starting to buckle because it was sitting out for six hours, and we had just baked it. Like, it was just made. Normally, a cake like that would take, like, three days. Like, you bake the cake 24 hours in advance, and then you let it sit so that, like, the flour can finish hydrating. And there's, like, a whole process. Cake making isn't just, like... Like cooking a steak. Yeah, they don't. They don't
0: show it on TV. Not no. the they don't show it on TV. Like they'll show you baking, and then they they'll show you like the finished product. They don't show like all the time right. they go in between it. Right. And
1: like the stuff, like like normally, like if I would make that three tier cake, like literally, it would I would start it three days in advance because it has to set properly in order to do certain things to it for it to be stable. But we had four hours to do start to finish, and then it sat for six hours before it even got judged. So it's like. Mm. So and that was a hard thing for me. I'm like, this is my name on TV. Like, I was, I was like, I don't want to put up a product that I'm like not proud of, you know. So that was like really stressful for me. So I definitely, when we were standing up there waiting for the results, I was like, there's no way that we won because my cake's leaning a half an inch. Like I don't. <laughs> but yeah.
0: and then you you guys find you you won the contest. Um, how how was after you after you win like? Do they tell you not to say anything or because, you know, it's a long process, like we had to watch week by week to tune in. Like
1: mm-hmm. you
0: guys clearly know that you won, but is it like, do they tell you not to tell family or anybody or how, how was that? After-
1: yeah. So we, we were told that we could tell like immediate family, like obviously like I'm going to come home. My husband's going to know, you know, right. stuff like that. But um, I didn't even tell my son cause I was afraid he was going to like, cause he's five.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so yeah, we couldn't tell anybody until the finale aired. Mm. So luckily, ours wasn't a long time. We finished filming like May fifth. We came home. Was it out
0: here in Vegas, or you? Had no, to? we were in California, in, California, in okay. Glendale.
1: Okay. So we finished filming May fifth, and then this finale was July twenty first. Mm. So we had a little bit of time that we had to wait till we could tell anybody. Um, but there was like a few people that knew. My mom knew she was out there with me because I had. I actually had a miscarriage on the show. Uh, oh, so they, sorry, she was, yeah. oh, that's okay. Uh, which is Another whole crazy thing of being they, on TV. Did they talk
0: about it on TV or?
1: Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, we kept, we kept it completely. Okay. None of the other contestants or anybody knew. Oh, we okay. kept it completely. I didn't want it to be like a thing where people thought that, I was only staying, like I don't know, yeah, 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 because of it, you know. Because you know,
0: sometimes storylines do sell TV shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So no, we kept it completely like only like the main like the people who had to know knew, mm -hmm. but nobody else, nobody else knew. But it was the there's an episode where I'm I'm not at judging, I'm uh, missing from judging, and that's yeah. So I. Oh okay. Episode 7. You'll know you, if you watch you st-
0: it. <laughs> do you still have, like, relationships with any of the, the contestants that were on there? Do you still keep in touch with someone yeah.
1: else? Yeah. Um, I still, like, we're all on Instagram. We have, like, a group chat on mm-hmm. Instagram. I didn't really get to know the other group until, unless they merged with us. But, like, the the couple that went, um, three teams that went home from the other group before we merged, I never got to even, like, meet them. Um but the other ones we do, we have like a group chat and we all follow each other on Facebook and send yeah. encouraging words to each other. Like we're all supportive of each other and it's good. It's fun. Um, still a lot of the producers and stuff too. I still talk to actually the, the Barking Dogs, one of the producers. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: And after, after you win and everybody finds out that you won, like how... I know probably getting phone calls, text messages. Has anything, like, life changed drastically anyway since since you won the contest? Or are you still kind of, like, um, doing the same same thing?
1: I'm still doing the same thing. I try, you know, I one, I didn't want it to go to my head where I was like, oh, I won. So now I can, like, take off time or, you know, whatever. I literally came back and I was, like, right back to the grind. I think if anything, it helped my followings on instagram which i was hoping it would actually help me some more but um i don't think that it, i mean it wasn't like um it didn't like blow up or anything i yeah i i just kind of added it to my resume right if that makes sense and it
0: still keeps you humble though like I said. yeah That's like the most important thing like sometimes you a lot of people get those big accolades you know kind of mm-hmm. Goes to the head and everything, so at least it yeah. still keep you humble, yeah. keep keep you grounded. That's
1: like a lot of people are like, oh, you're famous. I'm like, so I'm I'm not like just because I was on TV and it doesn't mean that I, I'm famous. Some some people recognize me here and there, but not like, you know, anything crazy. I get a lot of people make orders. I like could definitely help my business for sure. You know, like mm-hmm. they've, you know, we watched you on Crime Scene Kitchen and we absolutely love you and want you to, you know, whatever, um, which is is fantastic. Like I've definitely picked up business has been great for my brand um, but I was already I mean I was already busy before so mm-hmm. um, yes it 100% helped me but I try to not forget but like put it in the back of my mind because I don't ever want to be that person like oh I want Crimson Kitchen and like walk around with like an you know right. like I'm hot shit because I'm that's not who I am right. and I, I try to stay like as humble as possible
0: there's a few more questions and uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up okay what would you say is um, next for you? You won the contest. You work for um, successful companies. Um, what would you say is like next in line? Now, I know goals change as you continue to accomplish things, but what would you say is like kind of like next for you that you want to accomplish?
1: Um, so I'm definitely going to open a storefront, um, and I want to make a a brand that's basically I want to build my empire where I'm like the next. Like if you come to Vegas, like you have to go to my bake shop. You know what I mean? Like you have to come visit. You have to come get something from me. Not necessarily like some of the other ones. Like I don't ever want to sell out. I know there's a lot of bakeries that do. You know, like once you're on TV, um, some of those chefs sell out, and I don't ever, mm-hmm. I don't ever want to get to that point. But I want to make a name for myself that people will remember for the right reasons, if that makes sense. <laughs>
0: What advice would you give um, to the to young younger Natalie, um, looking back in, on your journey? Like, what advice would you give yourself?
1: Um, to not be so stubborn. I think that I was really stubborn in the beginning, and um, I had to learn a lot of really hard lessons. With even when I moved out here and working for the big companies and um, you know chasing the titles and stuff like that, I I didn't always put things into priority of what I should have put into priority. And it was all about like, you know, well, I have to work nonstop because I want to be the executive pastry chef, but then I let my marriage fall apart, you know, and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. You know, it's like you don't make some of the right choices because you have the goal of what you should be doing Mm -hmm. and not what you should be doing to make your life Better, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah, I like, like that. I, yeah. yeah. So I think, like, for me, like I, and I was very stubborn. Like I, I had that mindset. Like I'm only gonna make it if I become like the executive pastry chef of all of MGM Resorts International. Well, then I'd be working 15 hour days. I'd be working seven days a week. I would be, you know, not putting things first, and and it was all for what. I walked away from the company anyways, but you have to, like, I I definitely, when I was young, it was just like, well, this is, I want to be this, but I want to be this title, but I'm Mm -hmm. still working for somebody else who's making all the money, and I'm not really making any money, and I'm not at home with my family, and I'm not, you know, it is not the priorities, Mm -hmm. and I don't ever want to do that again, because I want to be involved with my son's life. I want to be able to go to, every single one of his basketball games because he thinks he's the next he's going to be an NBA player and i mm-hmm. you know like i don't ever cool. want to like be a, like miss stuff like that because I, all i do is focus on right. I, on that
0: i completely yeah. understand um, cuz sometimes when you're going after your dreams it can consume you and you just like grind 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 um and i i've had it those things you know traveling is is tough tough for me as well i have three children i have a son and two two daughters mm-hmm. and, you know being away from me gets tough but and i know they miss me it's like some they don't really understand it now because they're young but you know i in the end they'll they when they as they get older they'll understand but it's like sometimes when you when you trying to c- accomplish your dreams and have these visions like you, you miss a lot of time um but you still have to figure out. even now Like I was on the phone with my daughter yesterday in the room and she called me and she said, Daddy, make sure you put down on your notes. And I I actually put, I typed it down Mm. for her too. She said, make sure you know Friday, make sure you hear Friday at 8 o'clock in the morning because we're going to the pumpkin patch for school. So I told her, okay, I'm going to make sure I put it in my notes. And it's it's those type of things like that. Like you don't really, you you never get that time back. Right. And that's one of the things like, and I posted before, like, you know, sometimes I struggle with kind of feeling that guilt of, and do I, I'm going after what I want to do, but man, I'm missing time with my with my babies because I know they, mm. honestly, they, they they want me to be happy and be successful. at the same time, they really just care about being with daddy. Right. At the end of the day, and mm-hmm. sometimes when you're going after your goals, it's kind of like you miss those 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 special moments in life. So I, that's why I say I completely understand where yep. you're coming from and just kind of like trying to. I don't know if it's ever a such thing as like balance. It's like you just have to try to to make the best of everything that you can. Yeah. Because so much that you want to give to your family. and At the same time, you know you have to pursue your goals if you want to take care of your family as well.
1: It's like a catch-22.
0: Absolutely. My my, my final two questions, though, before we get out of here. Um, If you have any advice for people watching this who want to pursue their dreams, uh, and maybe not even become an entrepreneur, but they just want to pursue their their dreams and be happy, what advice would you give them?
1: Um, I would say that... Don't stop the hustle, but make sure that you focus on the priorities. Mm-hmm. Like, you always have to hustle, and you won't get anywhere without hustling. But make sure that you are doing it where you're not forgetting. To, like, you're... Don't leave out the important part of life. You know, mm-hmm. like, make sure that you focus on the uh, the the right stuff I don't know like the oh you always got to grind but grind for the right reason Mm -hmm. I would say that's like remember what you're doing it for
0: absolutely remember your why
1: remember Um, your why my my,
0: my final question um I ask everybody this while we've been on the road it's the cross the line podcast self-investment tour so my final question is what does self-investment mean to you
1: self-investment man that's uh it can be a lot um I would say it's investing in like your actual soul not mm-hmm. necessarily money money is it, you can always make more but if you don't invest in your actual self and what makes you happy then you're never going to be successful
0: absolutely Miss Natalie I want to thank you again for taking time to sit with us um, I'm glad I found you I'm glad you can <laughs> yeah. hear your story this has really been fun you know out here in Vegas um, it's forcing me to step out of my comfort zone because for the longest I never, for the longest, I never even seen myself doing this like Traveling, and then it just like man. Once I started having that exposure, like man, I'm I'm thankful that I'm able to you know get out of my comfort zone Mm -hmm. and and travel all over and just interview some of the most brilliant minds and uh, entrepreneurs. Because like I said, everybody has a story of, of how what they came from or what they became, and a lot of times they get lost in the shuffle. And a lot of times, the only thing you hear is just like this person just being successful, but you never hear those stories. And for me, it's always inspiring. Especially even your story as well, adding on to it, it's just know the things that you went through and then how you overcome them and how you're still going um it's inspiring just to hear those stories so i really want to thank you for taking the time to to sit with us thank
1: you for having me it's been fun
0: absolutely before we get out of here can you please tell everyone how to find you on social media
1: sure um my instagram handle is cake life with a y um by natty j so cake life we'll do this cake life, cake life. Right? it's um <laughs> like it. uh life is with a y and then my website's the same thing so cake life by natty j.com mm-hmm.
0: and do you are you able to let's say someone watches the an interview and we're all away in south carolina um do you have a way yet of you know possibly like they want to order a cake just to support you anything is in a way that they can order it and get shipped there or
1: so we do uh we can ship cake pops which is basically like just A version small version Mm -hmm. um i haven't gotten to the shipping part of custom cakes because it's uber expensive and uh very complicated um but eventually i will be able to ship custom cakes too it's my goal (laughs)
0: Absolutely. we want to thank you again we definitely look forward to you also i have a gift for you um it's in my in my in my bag as well Um, like i told you you earlier um i wrote my very first book as well um and actually it's titled f school life is your best teacher it's on the front of the um the screen right here as well um it's just a picture of myself and my son and he's holding my college degree
1: Aww. so
0: it was like when you look at it, you're like why is he saying f school when he went and got a degree but um it's kind of me just looking at my younger self just telling me what i would do differently knowing what i know now because you know I like i said i was kind of going down that traditional path as well so it's when you read it it's totally different from what what you um what you may think just looking at the title but um i definitely i wanted to bring you a gift because oh, you, thank you invited us to your home so i really appreciate you again. i appreciate that absolutely so so hopefully everyone enjoyed this interview um please go support me it's natalie cake by cake life by natty j hope you guys enjoyed this episode of across the line podcast self-investment tour so till next time keep chasing your dreams thank you for listening